0: Hello, and welcome to our first edition of Tech Swamp, recorded from Brussels. Uh, We're taking Tech Swamp Global, and we're excited to launch our new mid-month podcast to bring you all the latest news from Europe and around the globe. Today, I'm happy to welcome the Tech Swamp International podcast team. Um, So first up, chairperson of
1: the App Association,
0: Mike Sachs. Hi, Mike. Hi, Alex. Hi. Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. I'm Mike Sachs. I was born in Sydney Class in Belgium, and I founded the App Association a really long time ago when apps were still called <laughs> applications.
0: <laughs> that's a that's a fun one. Um, so next up, I also want to introduce Anna Bosch. She is our EU policy associate. Hi, Anna. Hello. Hello, uh, Anna. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah,
2: um, I'm from Rue de Saint in Germany, and I've been working on European policy issues for the App Association for about a year now.
0: Awesome. Happy to have you on the team. Um, and finally we have Morgan Taylor. She is our EU membership manager um, and based in Brussels. Morgan. Hi. Hi there. Hi. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Yes, I am, um, so I'm also Belgian from Brussels, and uh, I engage with all our great members here in Europe. Absolutely. Um, So Mike, why
0: are we bringing TechSwamp to the EU?
1: Well, because we are in the EU, we're in Brussels, we have a great staff here, and we have members all over Europe who are making really wonderful apps. And so a lot of policy is being crafted in Brussels, and uh, we want to be part of those conversations. Historically, you know, Europe has always been part of ACT, but it was really GDPR that uh, made Europe a really strong leader in crafting uh, policy uh, for tech companies. And uh, the success of GDPR, I think, has emboldened uh, EU regulators to look at other areas, such as privacy and encryption and platforms and competition and liability. And uh, they're looking at how these uh, areas will affect uh, app makers and platforms and society in general. And we want to be part of that conversation. So we're very happy to be here and connect our app makers members with uh, people in the commission and in the national governments and uh, talk about the unintended consequences of some of the Uh, regulations that people are envisioning and also about how these regulations could make life better or worse for the SMEs uh, that are our members and their customers.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. And we're so thrilled to have you guys join the Tech Swamp team officially. Um, But I want to just dive in. um, So let's get to the content. Uh, For this first edition, uh, we're going to be talking about the upcoming European Digital Services Act, which is aiming to update the EU's 20-year-old e-commerce directive, uh, which would regulate online platforms. Uh, But first, we're going to do some EU tech history and global headlines.
3: Yes, for tech history, I'm going to talk about the internet before the internet. So, <laughs> in uh, June 2012, the French telecoms incumbent France Telecom decided to end its military services, which was an open online network uh, before the internet, and so. For those who don't know the service, um, while most of us, uh, most of the world had never heard of the internet, the whole France was already online, buying, reading the news, managing bank accounts, gaming, all of that thanks to a little box uh, connected to the telephone which was called the Minitel. So it was launched in the 1980, uh, actually in 1980, and uh, many deemed the device as really a, a dumb computer, which was composed of a terminal with a screen, a keyboard, a modem, but absolutely no processing capabilities. And those terminals were actually given out for free by the state to every French telephone subscriber and provided universal access to its services. So the Minitel was an open platform. The state built and operated the underlying infrastructure of the network and then allowed Anyone to provide privately to privately held services um, on top of it as long as they registered to do so previously, so it got up to twenty five million users and uh, it rapidly became the most successful videotext online service before the world wide Web and the uh, pioneer um, of the dot com and the app economy but um After 30 years of uh, good and loyal services, uh, the terminals still functioned, but they could not handle advances in graphics technology and uh, the modems were outdated. And well, the French had long since moved to the Internet of all. So that was the end of uh, the Minitel. And that's all for tech history.
0: And now it's time for Brussels Bites. Anna and Morgan, what are the top headlines? Last
2: Thursday, Germany and France officially launched the Gaia X platform in their quest for European digital sovereignty and reducing the EU's dependence on foreign companies. Gaia X is a cloud initiative with the goal of convincing firms to store their data with European alternatives to US and Chinese tech giants like Amazon Web Services and Alibaba. GaiaX is not a cloud service in itself, but a platform that gathers cloud hosting services from dozens of companies and would allow businesses to move their data freely with all information protected under Europe's data processing rules. Half of the 22 founding companies are German, the other half is French, with big names such as Deutsche Telekom, Bosch, or Atos participating. The project has been facing some reasonable criticism with many saying that it may further empower existing tech giants by allowing them to offer their services within Gaia X. German and French leaders, however, emphasize that this is a pan-European project and they encourage other member states to join as soon as possible. We'll be following along as the initiative develops.
3: Another big piece of news this month is the EU's huge post-COVID-19 recovery package. To avoid two big differences um, in the state-backed rescue scheme, the European Commission proposed a 715 billion euros aid package um, called the Next Generation EU and beefing up the long-term budget of the EU to 1.85 trillion euros, which is more or less 2 trillion American dollars. And so the plan is made up of both uh, loans and grants to member states, uh, which will aim officially at promoting efforts to combat, uh, combat climate change and uh, promote EU uh, digital transformation. But many critics, especially in the, from the European Parliament, say that the plan will actually provide very little changes uh, compared to the pre-COVID-19 budget. And interestingly, the plan also brings back the possibility to create new revenue streams for the EU budget, such as a a new digital tax. And um, well, now it will be up to the 27 member states to approve the scheme uh, by July. And it's worth noting that these same member states have systematically uh, refused to adopt and vote for any digital tax uh, in in the past. So we'll have to see how this goes this time. Uh, One of the Major headlines in Brussels
2: this month is the public consultation launched by the European Commission on how online platforms should be regulated in the future, also known as the Digital Services Act, which we'll talk about later in the policy discussion. The Commission is tackling several controversial issues such as liability for user-generated content and online disinformation. Interestingly, the EU seems to be going in the opposite direction of President Trump here, who recently signed an executive order targeting social media companies. The Trump administration wants social media to allow anyone to post what they like and stay away from fact-checking or judgment whether something is hostile. In contrast, the EU wants these companies to get more involved in moderating content. They want to see a more proactive approach from these companies in removing hateful online messages, misinformation, and extremist content with legislation that forces tech firms to make more editorial decisions. It will be interesting to watch how these policies evolve on both sides
0: of the Atlantic. And that's all for Brussels Bites. There have been lots of talks in Europe on tightening the rules for online platforms and creating a Digital Services Act. So we're going to go over the different initiatives of the European Commission, uh, the ones that they just launched. Uh, We're going to talk about this with the team uh, and also talk about what the initiatives mean for our members. So thank you guys in advance for filling us in. Um, So let's dive right in. First question. Why is the EU launching a Digital Services Act uh, and why is it important now?
3: Well, the legal framework for digital services in Europe has been unchanged since the adoption of the E-Commerce Directive in 2000. Um, as a reminder, the E-Commerce Directive provides liability safe harbours for intermediary service providers for the content their users post online. So this piece of legislation has really been crucial uh, for the development of online services as we know them today. Um, However, today this piece of legislation is 20 years old and uh, as you know the internet has changed uh, quite a lot. Airbnb, Facebook did not exist at the time and these uh, laws need to be reviewed to address all kinds of illegal activities and content online such as for example misinformation.
1: Right and in addition uh, there are people in the commission who believe that there might be systemic problems in the platform economy that obstruct the uh, market entry for small businesses. So they're concerned that larger online platforms are acting as gatekeepers and that they control the platform economy and maybe create unfair uh, competition. And so they are planning further regulations. And uh, the first part of that is to launch uh, four public consultations so that they can gather views and evidence and data from all the interested parties um, on different issues like online safety and freedom of expression and fairness and having a level playing field for the digital economy. And so that's the phase that we're in right now. And then once that's finished, uh, the commission will provide a concrete legislative proposal in the form of the digital service act package and that's that's a really big deal uh, for the digital industries here in europe Um, it really will affect all of our members directly and this new uh, piece of legislation will shape europe's uh, future digital economy like no other
0: absolutely so then what do we expect in the digital services act package
2: So this package will have uh, two main pillars. First, the Commission is proposing clear rules framing the responsibilities of digital services to address illegal content online. These new measures um, aim at introducing more oversight of platforms and ensuring that the Commission can enforce these rules effectively. The second pillar is that the Digital Services Act would propose ex-anti-rules covering large online platforms, which the commission called gatekeepers. And they consider those as um, the platforms who have the market power to set the rules for their users and their competitors. And the initiative wants to ensure that those large platforms behave fairly and can be challenged by new entrants and existing competitors.
0: But didn't the EU pass a law that addresses these issues just last year?
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, it's called the Platform to Business Regulation. And uh, it was meant to increase transparency and fairness between the platforms and the businesses that work with them. And it hasn't taken effect yet. It's going to enter force into force on uh, July 12th of this year, so about a month from now. And uh, there are calls to add new obligations uh, on top of the P2B regulation uh, that would, you know, cover algorithmic transparency and ranking. And, uh, you know, we believe that it's important to add before we start doing that to look and give this regulation a chance to take effect and see how it works in practice. Some of these measures uh, have already, that they're proposing have already been rejected in the previous round of negotiations and and crafting of this legislation uh, last year. So before we have new information, it doesn't make sense to start adding new things. For app makers, it's important that we can look at the market and see how it works before we start planning uh, additional regulations. And that we can actually identify uh, systems where that are not working well before we start solving problems that might not be there.
3: And with the P2B regulation coming into force, we've also developed a launch guide to help uh, app makers resolve the most common issues they face with the platforms, um, in this case, app stores. And uh, we also organize on uh, the new regulation and App Developers Coffee to exchange and discuss with app developers what the new legislation will bring and change uh, for app developers. So that was a very in dis- interesting discussion as well.
0: And we'll include a link to the launch guide uh, in the show notes for this episode of Tech Swamp. Um, but so I'm curious, now that we already have the P2B regulation, how does the Digital Services Act impact app developers sort of on top of that? Yeah,
2: so it's really important to remember that the principles included in the e-commerce directive have been fundamental for the development of the internet as we know it today. So if the Digital Services Act imposes disproportionate liability of online platforms, such as the app stores for the behavior of their users, the more nervous the platforms become and the more likely they are to impose restrictive measures on app developers. And that could ultimately hurt innovation, which is also to the detriment of consumers who then can't access the most innovative apps.
1: Yes, and, and uh, on ex-ante uh, regulation, that is particularly problematic. Um, we, all of our members, all of our app makers uh, obviously rely on platforms and app stores to exist, but we also have several app makers that are platforms themselves. They're not as big, but they have their own platform and imposing more obligations on them in a one-size-fits-all approach that it was only meant to address the largest companies in the market, uh, that could lead to unintended consequences for the app economy. It would uh, make it impossible for many of these companies to implement all the regulations and jump through all the hoops that would be imposed on them, and would create very serious barriers of entry for smaller companies that want to be their own platform. Um, If you look at the market, We are still witnessing an economic boom in quantity and quality of applications. We've been working on a dedicated economic study about the app economy in Europe. Uh, It will be published soon, but our initial results uh, are very encouraging, even in these difficult pandemic times. And we have a thriving app market that we don't want to uh, destroy by excessive regulation. Before imposing new obligations, we need to identify true market failures, and then we can fix that instead of breaking a system that works and is thriving.
0: Absolutely, so then what can we expect in terms of next steps?
2: Yeah, so first off, um, the App Association will provide responses to all the ongoing consultations. Um, They close on September 8th, so we will be working on this over the summer. And we would love to hear from our members and any app developer interested to share their views with us, so we can include um, that in our feedback. And based on the current timeline, the European Commission is expected to publish legislative proposals in the last quarter of 2020. Um, And in the EU, the legislative process normally takes one to two years to be finalized. So we are really only in the beginning stages of our efforts here. Um, and we are going to continue working um, during that time to bring the voice of app makers into this debate. We have a lot of resources for developers that wish to learn more on this issue, such as our platform policy guide
0: and many blog posts that you can find on our website. Absolutely. Lots of work ahead. And we will also be including links uh, to the platform policy guide and uh, the blogs Ana mentioned in, again, the show notes for this episode of Tech Swamp. Um, So thank you guys for filling us in. I think this is a really important piece of legislation. It's helpful to know about it. And to our members who are listening, please reach out to us because it would be really helpful. And we'd love to hear from you uh, your thoughts on this. Um, So next up, I'm going to kick it over to Morgan for the member spotlight.
3: So this month we would like to talk about Wello, uh, which is a great uh, health app from Romania that aims at tackling obesity-related challenges. So Wello told us that according to the World Health Organization, the world's population of obese children is predicted to grow uh, by 60% in uh, 2030. So knowing this, the co-founders, Eshoslav and Dimitriou, both software developers in Romania, and that have both suffered from childhood obesity themselves, really want to uh, address the issue uh, with an app. So they did some research and uh, they found out that if one of the parents suffered from uh, obesity, the chances are uh, 30 to 40% that their children will suffer from it too. And um, these odds could even rise up to 80% in case both parents are overweight. So very quickly, they realized that a solution was needed that worked both for the parents and the children. They started pitching the idea to different stakeholders to create an app that teaches parents and children about nutrition and healthy habits through AI. They, um, and they received so just two years ago a, a grant from the European Commission of 1 million euro to implement the project, and that's how Wello was born.
0: This is fascinating. Um, so, in in practice, how does it all work?
3: So, um, yes, Wello wanted to adopt a holistic approach, integrating both online and offline components. For the online side, uh, the app um, it provides games and interactive content for family to engage in social challenges for healthier lifestyles. Um, the app also stimulates the physical activity of the children. It provides personalized uh, nutrition plans. It helps kids learn about food and nutrition, all of this in a really fun way. And at the same time, the parents can set up real rewards, um, for example, uh, having a cinema tickets as incentive for the kids. And um, at the same time, the app teaches parents uh, things. It uh, allows them to have access to the Wellopedia, which is a great <laughs> in-house uh, information platform. Um, it provides quizzes, um, recipes, and also uh, the app has a, a map of all the different restaurants um, that provide meals to uh, that comply with the nutrition plan. So if you don't have time to cook at home, this is uh, actually a great solution. Um, for the offline parts, um, as the families that are downloading the app already show a certain degree of awareness, uh, Wello really wanted to reach out to those kids and families that completely lacked the information on uh, obesity related challenges. So they uh, decided to develop offline solutions with uh, school programs um, in schools in Romania and also um, really cool summer camps uh, in person.
0: Yeah, that is really cool. Um, but I'm curious. I imagine targeting both parents and children is probably a unique challenge because they're pretty different audiences with with pretty different requirements in terms of, um, you know, legislative requirements.
3: Yes, and um, actually, that was the 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 most difficult issue uh, they had to overcome. Um, so especially with uh, the children so we had to find solution to ensure that children's data was collected in a very secured and responsible way uh, with the consent of the parents uh, of course and also while complying to all the uh, strict security and data protection requirements uh, in, in europe
0: absolutely so where are they now in their process
3: so Bello um, launched a better version of um, of its app in two thousand nineteen, both on the Google Play Store and the, the Apple App Store. And they today have already ten thousand users in Romania only, which is actually quite huge. Yeah. And um, so they have now uh, uh, the the company employs eight full time staff, uh, and they but they work also with a large network of professionals from with nutritionists, uh, psychologists, physical trainers that really help them in in their mission. And uh, today the app is quite widely widely recognized in Romania and they won quite a few prizes. Um, For example, the best social impact startup prize from the Central European Startup Awards. Um, All of this, they built all of this just within two years. Um, So it's actually amazing progress. And um, as next steps, they really would like to expand to business-to-business um, business, um, and provide solutions there, and also to governments to help really in the prevention efforts. So they soon will start rolling out the solutions in um, other countries outside of Romania uh, in Europe with uh, that have very different profiles in terms of childhood um, obesity. We really need to uh, to test a bit the, the solutions. So. The full, they'll do that once the the final version of the app uh, is launched and this should happen this summer. So we're quite excited to see what that looks like. Um, and in general, it's great to have them on board because the development of a uh, health um, application has really the potential to transform healthcare and wellness services uh, in Europe and all over the world. And uh, these apps really empower users to take active control of their health. They also support healthcare professionals. So we, uh, again, we're looking forward to work with Palo uh, in our health advocacy efforts here in Europe. And um, just for, um, to note, if you really want to know more about uh, Wellow, you uh, can uh, read uh, our blog post uh, on the company in our show notes.
0: All right, we've reached the end of Tech Swamp. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed listening to this first uh, EU edition. Uh, if you want any further information, don't hesitate to go to our website and our podcast page where we'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff.
3: And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher to be updated on all our latest podcasts. And to follow what we're doing on a daily basis, of course, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at EU App Makers. Thanks for listening. And
0: uh, until next time, vielen dank fürs zuhören und bis zum nächsten Mal.
1: Bedankt voor het luisteren tot de volgende keer.
3: Au revoir et à bientôt.